Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you uh, pray that the Spirit of God would speak to us today and that He would show us what He would want us to hear. Father, this is your word. You inspired it. You protected it. And now we ask that the Spirit who inspired this, the Spirit who interprets it, would grant us revelation today, that you would grant your servant energy and utterance, that these words may be your words, and that we would receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we started in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? So is there any condemnation between you and God? Um, those who are in Christ Jesus have no condemnation, who do not walk, that is, live our lives, make our choices according to the flesh. The flesh are those old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving pre-born again us. But we walk according to, that is, under the direction, under the influence of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, who has come to live on the inside of us as believers. Remember, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that when we receive, as an act of our faith by grace, when we receive the Lord, the Holy Spirit placed us into, baptized us into the body of Christ. Bapti baptized us, placed us into the body of Christ. And um, the, the, that Spirit the Holy Spirit, is how we're to walk our life because that Spirit has made us free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is still operable in our flesh. We can choose to walk in it, but its power has been broken by our Lord Jesus Christ who took all the offense of the law of sin and death lived up to the law of God perfectly. And God placed all that Jesus did, living up to that perfect law of God, God placed that into your account when you received Jesus as your Lord. So that when the, when the Father looks at you now, He sees you in Christ and can't see you any other way. doesn't mean that we, that we don't fall short of the glory of God. And the word says that we are to get in agreement with God, that we're to confess our sin. And that's, that confession leads to the uh, forgiveness. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins as we confess those sins. What we're doing is recognizing that we've walked out of line with who we really are in Jesus. That's what confession of sin is. It's a recognition that we temporarily chose to act like somebody we're not. Because God says the real identity of the believer is in Christ. So it's either going to be the way he says it is, or it's going to be the lie of the way we think it is, or the enemy says it is, or the world says. We've got to make up our mind, and we've got to live according uh, to the truth. Now, 
we, we saw last week, verse 5, those who live according to the flesh, that is, under the control and direction and influence of those old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You see, the mind is the key. The mind is the key. Um, can you put that circle that I've got on your outline, can you put that up on the screen for me? <clears throat> what we found out last week is that we are a threefold being. We are spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit and our soul are inseparable. Your spirit and your soul are going to live somewhere forever, and if you're in Christ, we know where that is, is with Christ. You're going to have to have a new body, and you're going to get a brand new body like unto his glorious body, that's what Scripture says. You'll be transformed. Your body's going to be transformed into a body like unto his glorious body, that is, his post-resurrection body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, you can't live eternally in heaven in the presence of Jesus with a sinful body. That's the reason these old bodies of ours are going to have to expire, bless. They're going to have to expire. But how many of you know that if you're in Christ, even though the expiration of your body might cause people to cry because of their loss, it's going to be the greatest second of your existence when you get transformed immediately. Into the to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, transformed into His glorious body. Hallelujah! Think about those loved ones who've always already gone on. In the last days of their life on earth, there might have been a lot of struggle. There might have been some ugly sights, but I want to tell you, there's not another second of that in their existence in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I better, I better stop talking about that. I might be ready for a train ride today. It is a fragile life, though, isn't it? But if I'm not here next Sunday, you're still in good hands. I want to tell you that, and I'll be fine. <laughs> the Spirit is where we're born again. That's where Jesus Christ, through the person of the Holy Spirit, indwells us. Our, that area of our spiritual self, our soul, and sometimes the Bible speaks of the soul as both parts that we're looking at here. Sometimes the Bible calls our spiritual part our heart, uh, but it is made up of our uh, mind, our will, our emotions, suke in the Greek. The New Testament is written in Greek, and that word for soul, suke, has to do with the mind, the will, and the emotions. The issue is, when we are, have come to know Jesus, sometimes in our mind, there are, what we said last week, there are developed strongholds, pockets of resistance, listen, to the Holy Spirit's life and His desires for us, pockets of resistance, strongholds. We looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 last time that uh, tells us that the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the destruction of strongholds, pockets of resistance to the Spirit of God and what He wants to do. 
We talked about last time what some of those things look like, and the best description, the best uh, illustration I can have of that is, I want you to think of yourself, just a minute, let's do it again, I want you to think of yourself um, as a big house, a big house, and when you received Jesus, when you received him, invited him into your life, and received his grace, Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit, came into the main room of that house. Now, whatever that main room of a house in your mind may look like, you just go there. There is a main living, dining area where Jesus Christ lives, in the very center of your spiritual house. The very center of your spiritual house. Now, don't forget, Otis, he owns the house. He owns the house, and if he owns the house, he has the right to have access to every room in that house. There's a whole bunch of rooms in that house. There are some upstairs, there's some downstairs, but the main living area is where the Lord Jesus himself, he owns the house. But although he owns the house, don't forget this, you are the resident manager of that house. He owns the house, but he's in partnership with you. You know what that means? You can put, you can invite guests into any room you choose of that house, even though you don't own it, but you can invite it in. See, the Bible says, do you not know, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So all the Lord has bought that spiritual house of ours, including our body, the Lord has bought that house, and he has every right to be the Lord of that house. He partners with us as the resident manager of that house, and we, we invite guests into that house. And sometimes we say, now, you can, you can go up there and stay in that room, or you, you can come down here and stay in, in, in that room. And um, a lot of times we... We invite others into that house, and we don't even ask his permission, even though he owns the house. What would some of those guests look like in a spiritual house that might resist his total access to the house? Remember, think of a stronghold as a resistance to a door in that house that doesn't want to allow Jesus to come in and have authority and fellowship and be, be at home in that room. A stronghold would be an area where there is something in that spiritual house that resists the Lord's coming into that place and, and, and uh, being free to be himself there. Some of those Rooms, strongholds, pockets of resistance, rooms in that spiritual house might be um, pride. Um, and that says, I know you own the house. I know it belongs to you. But I'm not going to trust you with all my heart. I'm, I'm going to let my own understanding take, take charge of this. I'm, I'm going to handle this. I know how to fix it. And usually it's because I know what I want. And I'm afraid that if I were to really let you in that room, you'd mess up my plan, my desire. 
So um, I'm going to handle this myself. Oh, there's an issue with somebody. I'm just going to get out there and tell them the way it is so they'll get in line. I'm not going to wait on you. I'm not going to pray and ask you to do your work. It's pride. Maybe um, a room in that house might look uh, like lust or sexual sin. It may look like addiction. You know what addiction is, don't you? It is something that is invested in through repetitive choices that you now think you can't function without. It is through repetitive choices, it is something that I believe I have to have because without it I can't function. Okay, I'm addicted if that's the case. And that can be a room that resists the lordship of Jesus. Um, shame. You know, there are a lot of shame rooms. And this, one, this one might be down in the basement. And, uh, oh, it's just, oh, I just have so many memories of things that I did. I see the instant replay of my sin all the time. And I, I, just, I just keep on having that replay, and it just binds me up, and it puts guilt and condemnation on me. And that will resist the grace and the love and the very presence and lordship of Jesus in that room. There's shame. Fear is a stronghold. Um, fear, I, I'm constantly seeing a result in my mind that I don't want to happen. I am, remember the devil is a forecaster of disaster. And in my mind I keep seeing these Im images of disaster. One of the trustees of this ministry who uh, 30 plus years ago um, was taking a, a, a test to pass his medical exam. To be, he's an um, endodontist. He does the root canals. You'll be glad to see them when you need it. Um, I speak that by experience. And he said on the night before he was to take his board exams, that he tried to go to sleep for a few minutes and all he could see was um, living under a bridge because he failed the exam. <laughs> uh, we laugh at that, but you know, how fast can your mind take you to something you don't want to happen? And it can be triggered in your own brain. It can be triggered from media. It can be triggered from a doctor's report. Uh, and he might just be telling you the facts. But how many of you know there's a difference in a diagnosis and a prognosis? You need to listen to the diagnosis. But the prognosis has a lot to do with you. So... Um, how many of you know that um, uh, truth is, is greater than facts, and facts are subject to change? But fear can get a hold of us, and we can, oh, man, oh, Lord, I can't, 
You got to be kidding me. You say that I am to bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that it is holy. I, I can't do that. If I were to do that, it'd mess up everything else. I've got these vehicles, I've got this house, I've got all this. I, I can't trust you with my money. And then you close yourself out of the greatest financial benefit that is available to you. God can do vastly more than you can do. He is the source and the resource. He desires that to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. But fear will say, I got to handle this because, you know, I can't really trust God and obey God in that. Um, I can't re- I can't really trust this relationship or this plan to God because I've already got it set the way it's supposed to be. And I'm afraid if I yielded it to him, he'd mess it up. Fear is a stronghold. It's a room in that house that tries to keep the door closed to the Lord Jesus coming in, having free reign in there. And pride and fear and shame and lust and anger, you know. Um, I said this last Sunday. Uh, anger that is allowed to stay will turn into bitterness. You ever, um, and I'm going to do uh, a teaching on this soon. Uh, Hebrews 12:15 uh, says, "Don't let a root of bitterness spring up on the inside of you and cause a whole bunch of people to be defiled." Here's what I'm ca- trying to tell you today, and we'll go, we'll go into this later. But if you hold on to anger, you're going to poison the atmosphere of everywhere you go. It'll poison your home. It'll poison your business. If you hold on to anger, the anger of God. I got mad at something the other day, and the Spirit said, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So I had to get myself uh, right fast. And repent of that. You say, but pastor, the word says, be angry but sin not. And it also says, don't even let the sun go down on your anger, even if it's righteous anger. Because anger poisons the inner atmosphere. It closes to the door. It closes the door to the lordship of Jesus coming in there and filling that place. Um. Well, I mean, we, we could go on and on. Rejection, um, control. How did I get these strongholds? Um, two ways. One, believe it or not, you could have inherited them. Do you know that you have spiritual inheritance just like you have physical inheritance? The Bible says that we were born physically in the nature and likeness of Adam. So that we were born physically alive but spiritually dead. So that the sinful nature of Adam manifests itself in different characteristics and different ways in all of us. It manifests your stronghold. Your, your, your spiritual characteristic that you inherited from Adam might look different than mine. 
But it doesn't matter. Listen, are y'all listening to me? We're all broken somewhere. Yeah, we are. We're all broken somewhere. And don't ever forget and think that you don't ever have any brokenness anymore if you're walking by in the Lord. The good news is that the Lord is so gracious and kind and merciful that he won't show us all of our brokenness at one time because we couldn't handle it. <laughs> That's right. It's a blessing to have that revealed. But so we inherit some spiritual characteristics. Some spiritual traits are inherited through our the, the, the spiritual nature of the one to whom we were born physically in his image and likeness. And Adam passed down through. Do you know you can get some characteristics from your human parents that are not only physical, but you can find yourself making the same mistakes, having the same struggles as they had. Those strongholds have to be broken. And the good news is you don't have to be that way. The good news is the power of God's grace is greater than the power of sin. God's healing in His grace is greater than our brokenness. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So what do we do about them? And that's where we left off last time. What do we do about those? Okay, I want you to turn to two passages. One, first, I want you to turn back to 2 Corinthians 10. I want to show you something really wonderful here. 2 Corinthians 10. How do I bring... How do I see the destruction of this, these strongholds? How do I see the resistance behind the door of these rooms? How do I deal with that so that Jesus is freely allowed to come in and be Lord of every room in my spiritual house? Well, number one, we have to recognize that they exist, that strongholds exist. See, I'm not going to ever address a stronghold if I don't know it's there. And so what we need to do is say, Lord, I see in your word that strongholds uh, actually happen. And so I ask you to reveal to me, Holy Spirit, reveal to me where there are strongholds. Show me rooms in my spiritual house that I haven't allowed you, Jesus, to be the Lord over. So it's an invitation. He stands at the door and knocks, but you've got to open the door. So as an act of your will, ask the Holy Spirit to show you where those strongholds are. So number one, recognize what they are and be honest about it. Number two, uh, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Let's go first of all to verse 4 of chapter 10. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that is, of the flesh, but they're mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds. How many of you know, regardless of how long that stronghold has had you by the throat, the weapons of God, the warfare God will give you, are strong enough to pull, to pull them down? Thank you, Lord. Casting down arguments and every high thing. The flesh wants to argue with the Spirit all the time. Casting down arguments and every high thing raised, that raises and exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Ephesians 6, 
Verses 10 and following are wonderful descriptions of weapons of our warfare. And uh, we need to, by faith, apply those weapons to these these, um, places of strongholds. In the context of 2 Corinthians 10, the issue in the Corinthian church that Paul was addressing was they had embraced bad doctrine. They were listening to false teaching. They were allowing themselves to become polluted by all these thoughts and work that, that didn't line up with the sound and solid uh, teaching of the Scriptures. And um, Paul said, um, you know, those thoughts have gotten to be have got to be taken captive in, in other words uh, for us to have uh, intimate knowledge of the Lord but how many of you know a stronghold can be anything it doesn't have to be bad teaching it can be any of those things that we've just been talking about and anything else that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us is a stronghold so number one recognize we have them number two remember who you are God's given you the authority to tear these strongholds down. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be. God's given you the grace, the strength, the, the, all the resources you need to walk free of these strongholds. You recognize them, and then you apply the weapons, and your weapons primarily have to do with your identity. Let me say that again. Your weapons have, first of all, to do with who you are. God says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when those strongholds are really uh, grabbing you by the throat, you need, to t- you, you need to stand up to those and to say, I'm the, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, um, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Begin to state what God says about you as the truth. The truth. The truth. Because the only thing the accuser is going to listen to is the word of God. How many of you know that? When Jesus faced Satan, he didn't get into an argument with Satan. He didn't try to reason with him. He just spoke the word to him. The authority is in the word of God. So recognize where the strongholds are. Begin to remember and resist. When you remember who you are, who God says you are, that is resistance. But uh, I got to tell you, there's something that most Christians don't see. 2 Corinthians 4, I want you to go there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, there's something you have to do. Yeah, you have to recognize what those strongholds are. Two, you have to remember who God says you are, but uh, there's something you have to do. In in chapter 3, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, oh man, I love this chapter. If you go back up there, you'll see that you have a ministry. In verse 8, the ministry of the Spirit is a, is a ministry with a lot of glory to it. 
<laughs> because it manifests the presence of the Lord, the ministry of the Spirit. You go down to verse 17, and the comparison here was Moses used to go up and visit with the Lord on the mountain. This was before Jesus, before the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, the coming of the Spirit. Moses was a holy man of God, but when he would go up and meet with God and things would happen like receiving the, the, the Ten Commandments written in stone, um, when he would come back down, the people would see him in this glory of having visited with God, but he had to put a veil over his face so that nobody would see the glory fading. And what the Bible is saying here is we have all the advantages because now the Spirit of God Himself lives inside the believer. You don't have to set up a visit with Him. He lives on the inside of you. And His ministry right now is to manifest, begin, manifest the glory of the presence of Jesus on the inside of you. I love verse 17. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, or where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. Where the Spirit is Lord. So are you going to invite the Spirit to be Lord over that room, that anger room, that shame room, that fear room, that rejection room, that control room, which comes out of fear? Are you going to let Jesus be Lord over that room? Where the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty. Man, you can move freely now. You'll be unloaded in your soul. You'll feel a lot lighter when those strongholds are recognized and resisted. But don't stop there. Watch this. We, oh man, we are with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Unlike Moses, who had to cover his face with a veil so people wouldn't see the glory fading, we have the permanent glory of God in the very presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Chapter 4. Therefore, watch, since we have this ministry, everybody says, I have a ministry. It's the Holy Spirit. The ministry is the transforming ministry of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Therefore, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, you know what that means? Compassion. God knows this journey is not easy, but He has compassion on us. Since we have received this ministry and mercy, we do not lose heart. Watch. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. Oh, wow. So I was, I was studying this the other day, and uh, the Lord showed me what craftiness is. Craftiness is to disguise what my real motives are in such a way that people would accept it. That's craftiness. Nor handling the Word of God deceitfully. You know what to handle the Word of God deceitfully means? It means that I would actually use Bible verses to get my own way. 
that I would take passages, doesn't matter what kind of context they are, but I would take scriptural passages and use them to make me look good. That's handling the Word of God deceitfully. If I operate in craftiness, I am trying to do whatever I can to disguise through the words I say and the things I do to disguise my brokenness so people won't see me the way I really am. That's craftiness. How many of you know the more crafty you are, the less intimacy you have with the Lord? God is attracted to you if you will admit you're desperately dependent on Him. I'll say that again. Almighty, all-powerful God is attracted to those who will admit they're broken and have a need. Amen. So to deal with strongholds, means that we have to come to grips with what the strongholds are when, we, when, when the Spirit of God reveals them. We have to remember who we are. That is, we have the very authority in the name of Jesus through His Word. But we have to go one step further, and that is we have to renounce the things that are hidden. Remember, those strongholds are locked down there in a room in the basement or upstairs or something, and they're not given access to the Lord and His uh, where the spirit is freedom, there's areas where we're just not free. What is a renouncement? What's this? To renounce means to formally, as an act of your own words, to disown something. So when this word says, we have renounced the things hidden in darkness, in shame, it means to bring it out in the open and say, Lord, I renounce the spirit of fear and all. I, I renounce uh, this shame, this pride, this, this rejection, this. You, you understand what I'm saying? I renounce this and it's right to have a hold on my life anymore. This stronghold is coming down in the name of Jesus Christ. So. It's not just something you believe, it's something you say. Yeah, you got to make a formal declaration. See, God made you in His image and likeness, and you exert authority through the words of your mouth. The words of your mouth exert authority even over your thoughts. Your mind has to stop and listen to what your mouth says. You may be thinking something and imagining something. It may not even be rooted in the truth. But if you stop and say, wait a minute. God says that I am to meditate on the things that are true. And Jesus said, Father, thy word is true. So I, de I hereby declare that that thought has to get in subjection to the mind of Christ. I, I say to that spirit of fear, that pride, that whatever that is, I say, you're done. I disown you in the name of Jesus. Because some of us have carried around brokenness and baggage so long, we just think it belongs there. Nothing belongs there but what the Spirit of God has put there. 
But we have been given the authority by the Holy Spirit's power and the release of that power through what we believe in our heart and speak with our mouth. That's how that power is released. A renouncement to formally speak away, to disown. What a powerful word. So we have to recognize where the strongholds are. Remember who we are and what we have in Jesus. And we have to formally renounce those strongholds and their grip and power over us. And last, and this is a place that many, many believers are failing today. We address those. We know they're there. We know the Word of God has authority. We want to be free. We will even be willing to speak in line with what the Word of God says, but we don't carry through. I call this reinforcement. To be successful in walking free of strongholds, you've got to have reinforcement. Now I want to tell you something that some of you are not going to like. God designed this to where you're not going to succeed by yourself. You're going to need some reinforcement, some help. Pastor, I just don't want to admit to anybody my problems, my issues, where I'm broken. Can I tell you something? Uh, If people really love you, they're not going to leave you because you admit that you've got a need, that you're broken. If they really loved you, and you know what? Those who do leave you, they never were really for you to begin with. So don't be afraid to it. You don't have to go broadcast your needs or brokenness to everybody. But ask the Lord, where's the inner circle of somebody's that you have designed for me to have reinforcement with? Well, I can figure this out. I don't need to get some help. That's the lie of the devil. We've got, we've got people right here in our church who spend their whole lives in counseling, Emmanuel, Kenya, Romeo. Their whole lives in ministry is in counsel and therapy and helping people walk through stuff. Look, wherever the Lord leads you to get that reinforcement from, Don't be afraid to admit, I I got a need and I I need some prayer covering. I need some encouragement. I need need some help here. Recognize the strongholds. Remember who you are. Renounce them in the name of Jesus and get reinforcement. You're not going to succeed by yourself. Are we learning anything We're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit next week some areas where uh, it may hurt a little bit, but it's gonna hurt good. It's gonna hurt good. How many of you know if you've got infection somewhere, the infection has to be dealt with before healing can come? Yes or no? 
Well, and I know that this is not the place where a lot of people like to go. It's not always a feel-good place. But how many of you know that the, the calling of your pastors are to tell you the truth? In love, serve you in love and the truth. And I thank you for responding to that. You're such a blessing. Let's all stand. Would you join me in this profession today? Are we ready? Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, my Lord, I hereby declare that every stronghold in my spiritual house must come down. By the authority of the Word of God, I hereby renounce every stronghold in Jesus' name. Reveal to me, Lord, where I'm broken and come into that room and bring healing and help. I will, I will humble myself and I will seek the help and the healing that you desire for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.